have your way, Jesus. Amen. I believe the Lord uh, wants to speak to us today. He desires for us to hear what he's saying to the church. Amen. And uh, it's family month and uh, our family time. And we are continuing on Wednesday and Sunday, Sunday morning in our classes and on Wednesday night to focus on things that would shore up the family. Amen. I was talking to Brother Kyle, our assistant pastor, the other day, and we were we just kind of talked about things that we need to just touch and base. And uh, on that particular day, and and before it was over, uh, we both kind of uh, made the statement: "Well, it's it's family month." You may not be aware of it, but every time we enter into family month, we, we begin a spiritual war that we haven't engaged up until that point. That's exactly right. The enemy is in an all-out attack and war for the family unit. Say what you will about society and where it's going, but society is... Be, uh, masculinity has been ripped out of this society. Believe it or not, white men that are standing in this room today are the enemy to society. That's the truth. So we're in a we're in a battle not just for families and, and homes and I know family represents a lot of different things. They're single parents and their mom raising children and grandparents raising children. But I, I think it's important every year for us to see the value of not only the family of God. I thank God for people that can step in. The Lord said that when your mother and father forsake thee, I will I'll be a father and a mother unto you. So there's nothing wrong with stepping in and, and, and being a support and being a mentor. Somebody say amen. And so the church family is very important. And whatever deficiencies we have in our natural families, I believe there's something spiritual that happens when we're a child of God. That trumps everything. Uh-oh. That, that overrides everything that happens in a natural sense. That which is spirit is spiritual. That which is fleshly is fleshly. You cannot mix the two. When I was born again, it didn't matter who my dad's name was. It didn't matter what kind of lifestyle he lived. When I was born again, I was alive spiritually. Doesn't matter what kind of sin he participated in. When I was born again, it broke the curse. Oh, you're not hearing me. I said it broke the curse. I don't have to be what my grandparents were. I don't have to be what my brother is. I, I can be what Jesus says I am. I'm born again. I'm a part of a better country. Anybody glad you're in the church of the living God today? Jesus said on this rock I'll build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I'm glad to be in the church. God wants to say something to the church today, to all of us. So I draw your attention 
to Revelation chapter 3. Revelation chapter 3. Thank you to the praise team and the musicians. And thank you for using your gifts and talents to serve the Lord today. Revelation 3 verse 14. And unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know thy works, that thou art neither hot nor are cold nor hot. I would thou wert cold or hot. I wish you were cold or hot. I wish you were frozen or burning up. So then, because thou art lukewarm and neither frozen nor burning up, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Because thou sayest, I'm rich. And you say, oh, well, that excludes me. No, I don't think he's just talking about money. I think he's talking about satisfaction. I don't need anything. I'm increased with goods. Here it is. I have need of nothing. And you don't know. No, it's not that thou art wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. There's a lot of miserable people in this world. I got counsel for you. I got something to say to you. I counsel thee, buy of me gold tried in the fire. You can't get this on Wall Street. Buy of me. This is where you purchase it. Me. This is Jesus, the beginning and the end. Buy of me gold tried in the fire that thou mayest be rich in white raiment. Of me white raiment that thou mayest be clothed and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear and anoint thine eyes with eye salve that thou mayest see. You're not seeing things clearly. And we need to hear this next part. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. It's not a sign of love for God to let us continue in our blindness. If I love you, I want you to straighten up. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to him and will sup with him and he with me. To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and am sat down with my father in his throne. Man, that's going to be fun, all of us piled up on the same throne. Everybody say, big throne. Verse 22, he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word today. Thank you for the people of God that have come today to hear your word. I pray, Lord, it be quick, powerful, and sharper than any two-edged sword. Your word declares that it is. 
I pray what it is now would, would be in this room today. I pray, God, it would find us. I pray it would speak to us, and I pray it would call us out. In Jesus' name, we give you glory, and we give you honor today. In Jesus' name. Turn your neighbor and tell him, I believe the Lord wants to speak to me today. Amen. Praise God. God bless you. You can be seated. I want to preach today from this thought, the call to overcome. The call to overcome. Would you say that with me? The call to overcome. Say it again. The call to overcome. I do not believe it's the will of God that he want any of us just to put up or just to barely make it through. He wants us to be overcomers. He wants us to be victorious. Brother Blake said it already. There's victory here today for those who need it and those who desire it. <laughs> Amen. There's overcoming for you today. If you desire to come over something, if you desire to climb up over something, God can give you the power to be an overcomer today. Of course, there's a call to that. It's not necessary, uh, necessarily uh, that we are forced to be overcomers. Uh, God calls us in a place where we can be victorious. And he does so with the church that we read in Revelation 3, the church of Laodicea. John, under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, wrote seven letters to seven, seven different churches in Asia Minor. And there's a phrase that shows up in all seven letters, and it is this. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. I believe I need to be at church on Sunday to hear what God is saying to his bride. <laughs> yes, God talks to me all through the week, but I need to come to church so I can hear if what I'm hearing on Monday matches what I'm hearing in the church. There's some people saying, well, I'm not sure if that's the Lord talking to me on Tuesday. I was driving home from work, and I'm not sure that's the Lord. You know, you run that risk when you don't hear what the Lord's saying to the church. But when you hear what the Lord is saying to the church, and then you're driving to work Tuesday, and the Lord goes a little further, uh, you start recognizing, well, that's kind of what I heard Sunday. Somebody say Amen. So I'm glad to be in church today. And the point is, seven times in Revelation, John said it's very important to hear what the Spirit is saying. The sternest of those seven letters is directed to the church of the Laodiceans. And when God wrote the letter to the church at Philadelphia, he said nothing bad about them. But when God had a word to say to Laodicea, he had nothing good to say to them. I wonder what the Lord would say to us personally today. I wonder if we could hear what he would call us to. He wants us to be overcomers. He wants us to be victorious. He doesn't want us depressed, anxious, worried, fearful. Can I get an amen? Laodicea was neither good nor bad. They were neither hot nor cold. They were not great, but neither were they awful. There's a lot of people that think that's a good place to be. We're just here. 
we're doing all right. We're not as bad as them. Um, we're not as good as some. You could say that the Laodicean church was somewhere in the middle, sort of, let's call it typical. Let's talk, call it common. Let's call it mediocre. God calls it lukewarm. Let's call it plain average. Let's call it comfortable. Let's call it, we got our bills paid. We got a few people that go to church here that I like. God calls it lukewarm. Of course, it's not a sin to be comfortable. Can I get an amen? You sit down in a car and you, you want comfort. You go to buy furniture, you sit down on the couch, you want it to be comfortable. I don't know anybody that buys a, 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 a couch that's got nails all in it to keep me from sitting down. Oh, I need to exercise, so I'm going to buy a couch that's made out of nails. No, just forget buying the couch. Just exercise. So comfort is not a bad thing. Uh, it's, it's not a sin to be average in athletics. It, it's not a bad thing to, to, uh, to be average. And I know, man, when you got a sister that's got straight A's, <laughs> average is a bad deal. <laughs> Can I get a witness? When you got a sister that's making straight A's, <laughs> don't you just hate it? Hey, <laughs> at least it's not failure. I like this. Parents saying, come on, you can do better. And they say, hey, at least I'm not doing as bad as Johnny. At least I'm still in school. You ought to thank God I hadn't quit like Susie. There can be that attitude that gets a hold of us that we just want to fall in the middle somewhere. And it happened in a church. No one would say it's a sin to be average when it comes to your ability to accumulate wealth. Uh, you know, some, we can't all be Bill Gates. Thank God we can't all be Bill Gates. But God himself declares that it is exceeding sinful to be average when it comes to spiritual things. I'm going to say that again. Some of you say, well, I just, you know, uh, there, there are times in the service where we feel the motivation of the Spirit, and sometimes if we're not careful, we push back against that. I thank God for every time the Spirit of God pushed me beyond my comfort zone. Yes, I needed that. Because I got comfortable and I got, I got deep in that chair of spiritual relationship with God. And God needed to push me a little further. He, he needed me to not get comfortable in that place. Pastor Roger Baker made a statement. And as I read it, it, it just grabbed a hold of me. It's kind of the, the focus of what I want to say today for this church and our families. I believe just as concerned as you are about your children and, and you want to motivate them and, and you want them to reach to higher things, I believe God wants the church to be that way. I believe God wants us to reach for greater things. Somebody say amen. Pastor Roger Baker made this statement. Most Christians, and obviously this is probably his opinion, but he says, most Christians are average. 
He said this, that means they are in the middle of the spectrum. And this is the statement that grabbed me. He said, most of them are average. And then he explained, they are the best of the worst and the worst of the best. They are the best of the bad, and they are the worst of the good. Average, in the middle. I'm better than, isn't that pharisaical to say, you know, I'm I'm better than that person. (laughs) I'm not there, but I'm not there either. If we're not careful, we'll build a house right there. And we'll say, I'm not that bad. Oh, I'm not that good. And we'll get comfortable in that place of being the best of the worst and the worst of the best. (laughs) You see, that happens when you get your eyes off Jesus. That happens when you get your eyes on other people. But the moment you turn your eyes on Jesus, it doesn't matter where anybody else is in the spectrum. I've got a long way to go to be like the Lord. I'm not him like him yet, but I'm striving to be. And I hear him in the spirit saying, come on up a little bit higher. Come on, let's clap our hands to the Lord today. A call to overcome. Yes, yes, there are attitudes that I felt the Lord say, come on up a little bit higher. There are times where I had thoughts where I heard the Lord say, come on, you're a little higher than that. (laughs) There are battles that I entered into that I felt the Spirit saying, come on, you're a little bit stronger than that. Come on, there are times I didn't realize how weak I was. And if it weren't for the Lord showing me that it's by His grace that I stand. Come on, I'm not here by my own strength. I'm here by the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, clap your hands unto the Lord today. I want to be an overcomer. I want my family to overcome. I want my children to overcome. I want the church that I attend to be victorious. I understand that the ground at the cross is level. It's for everybody. I do recognize that if you don't come by Jesus Christ and you try to come some other way, you're the same as the thief and the robber. You be really careful about that because Jesus said he's the door. He said, if you don't come through me, Yes, this is a Jesus church. Yes, we believe in the name. Yes, we baptize in the name because I don't want to come up any other way. My access is through the blood of Jesus Christ. My access is through a person's death and his name is Jesus. Oh, yes. I'm thankful for that. Jesus said, that the ground, that, that coming to the cross, that we're all welcome at the cross. He said, I would that all come to repentance. But after I stop at the cross, I feel his spirit drawing me and pulling me and maturing me. I've come a long way. I've got a long way to go. But if this is indeed what Paul says it is, it's a race. <laughs> it's a race. What do you think about somebody that starts the race and they get about halfway through and they decide to get comfortable? 
And you know there's more to them than that. And you know they're faster than that. And you know they can run further than that. And you know they're not out of breath. You know they've come too far to start lagging. You're in a race. And the Bible says the race is not to the swiftest, but it's to the one that just keeps on. I'm not stopping. I'm not quitting. I'm not going to sit back comfortable. Anybody made up your mind you're going further? Yeah, he's brought me a long way, but I'm not stopping. Can't tell you how many times I've read through this Bible that we call God's Word. And I can't tell you that if I'd have stopped reading it a long time ago, there are things that God has said to me that I never saw before. Same Bible, same verses, but all of a sudden what I was going through, God spoke to me specifically through a verse that I never saw it there before. I thank God he keeps on calling me on. I wonder if we're like the Laodiceans, not hot, not cold. We don't allow false teachers to come into the church and preach or teach. We're a church that believes in the truth. And the Bible is that truth. So we're not going to tear out any part. And we're sure not going to add a few chapters or even our own book. <laughs> Hello. We believe it's very specifically shown to us in his word what pleases God. So it's important for us to stand for truth. And it's important for us to be able to say, this is what I believe. It's nothing wrong to believing something. But you know what? You got to do more than believe something. I got a question to ask you. Are we comfortable are we comfortable where our families are? And I think there's a, the Bible says that Paul said, I've learned uh, whatever state I'm in to be content. I think there's a difference in, in contentment and comfort. I think we can realize there are things that we cannot do that only God can do. There's a time where you're standing in the hospital and you've got a loved one that's sick. There can be contentedness in that moment. Not that I want my loved one sick, but I feel like God's at work here. Everything's okay. God's going to take care of it. Can I get a witness? So I wonder. Yes, I guess is the answer that it is possible for spiritual people to get lukewarm. So there's some indications that that I think are very important for us to see if we, to examine ourselves. If I say examine ourselves, I guess there's some interesting things in this passage in Revelation 3 that would indicate we might be slipping from either hot or cold into comfort. And one of them is when the pursuit of goods has overtaken the pursuit of God. What do I mean by pursuing God? Let me try to answer that question with some verses from the Bible. These could be all kind of sermons also. Let's read them. Psalms 42 verse 1. As the heart or the deer pants after the water brook, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. My soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before? Let me ask you something. Are you more, uh, are you more thirsty for success in this world or thirsty for God? It's that simple. 
simple. Do I expend more energy with my security in this earthly realm or am I that thirsty or more for God? Matthew 5 and 6, blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness. They shall be filled. Isaiah 55, 6, seek ye the Lord while he may be found. That indication is there's going to come a time where he will not be found. No, you didn't hear me. The Isaiah said, seek God while you can find him. Call on him while he is near. Come on, if you feel the Lord today, now's not the time to get on Facebook and look at what somebody's saying. If the Lord's here, I need to seek him. I need to forget about where I'm going to lunch. It doesn't matter. Luke 12. Luke 12, 15, he said unto them, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things that he owns. Matthew 16, 26, For what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Somebody say amen. Amen. One man by the name of F.B. Meyer said this, If there is one thing which pierces the Savior's heart with unutterable grief. It is not the world's world's iniquity, but it is the church's indifference. I know. You know, I believe there are times God shoves us out of our comfort zone. I believe when I drove up on that Saturday morning and uh, that... That, uh, that um, pallet, thank you, those two pallets that were up here by where these doors are right now that had tile for those bathrooms on them. That's the way they came. And we had emptied them off and put the tile on the walls. We had put the finishing touches on this gymnasium. And on that Saturday morning when I drove in that parking lot on the south side of this property and those two pallets that were sitting right here in the doorway as you go out today, they had gone all the way around this gym and all the way around that other building and they had floated into the entranceway in the south entrance of this church. I knew immediately Immediately, something was a matter. I walked in the door. There was about four inches of water all in that old facility. You talk about all of a sudden the victory being ripped out from under you. I called Cheryl and I said, don't call anybody. I don't want anybody getting this discouraged. I did it. I said, don't call anybody. I'll clean it up. I don't want them seeing it. And like a good wife, you know what she did? She hung up. And she started calling everybody in the church. (laughs) Before I knew it, people started showing up. It's Saturday morning. We don't even have a place to have church. The carpet was sopping wet. And we moved in here into this gymnasium. We had church by the grace of God. And God moved and God blessed. And about six weeks of recovery, getting all the stuff, walls cut out and carpet uh, clean and changed and all that stuff, taking out all the, the insulation. We moved back in there and we didn't realize that all that all that was was God pushing us out of our comfort zone. That's all it was. I can look back now and see where the Lord said to Paul, why are you kicking against the pricks? I'm trying to move you. I'm trying to work on you. Our vision need to be expanded. 
And then I, then I notice, you know, we get in here and we got more room and we got bigger bathrooms. And praise God. I don't know if you ever went in those bathrooms. Those were great for, for when God blessed us. But, you know, God's brought more people here. And, and sometimes that was embarrassing, challenging. We got health problems because... <laughs> We're blessed. We got room to spread out. We got chairs everywhere in here, and we got room there. We can come to church, and there's people we don't even know if they're there on Sunday because they didn't sit on our side of the church. God has pushed us and expanded us. But I noticed when we got here, we got a little comfortable, and God began to deal with me. And those times have come and gone, and I feel a, an overcoming spirit in this place. But maybe. Uh, Maybe this is from a pastor's heart who this week talked to financiers who said, Pastor, you're not a risk. This church is not a risk. We'll back you. I know we're going into our future. But I know this also, that beware when you get into that promised land and you're eating the fruit of how good God's been to you. Beware that you get comfortable and you get sat down and you get easy in your seat. Oh, God, move us as a church. You haven't saved this whole community yet. I believe you want to. You haven't saved our family yet, but I believe you want to. So help me not get comfortable. Oh, clap your hands unto the Lord. I hurry. I, yeah, thank you, Lord. Not only were they worried about worldly things, Laodiceans were prospering prospering materially, but they were coasting spiritually. God's been good to us. I'm telling you, God has been good to us. I don't have to go down the list, but I'm telling you, there ain't nobody could have done of what we see here without God being involved in it, except the Lord build a house. They labor in vain that build it. I believe God has been good to us. We didn't get here because we had jobs that paid us a million dollars a year. We got here because God magnified what little we did, and here we are today. I want to tell you something else that reminds us that if we're not careful, we're getting lukewarm when we get obsessed with appearances. When you start thinking about what people will say and what people listen, I think it's very important for us to be godly. And I believe we can find in the Word of God what God is pleased with. I said it Wednesday night, me and Shaler were driving to the air show in St. Chesterfield uh, last Saturday and I heard this crazy commercial come on, it's time to get men back to greatness. And I thought, man, we're fixing to hear about a seminar, revival, somebody's going to come preach. No, that wasn't the greatness they're talking about. Men's greatness nowadays has shrunk to a new low. <laughs> Come on, it's time to get men back to greatness in what they begin to advertise. You realize how low people's greatness has become. I want to be what God uh, says I can be. I want Him to call me to greatness. Now, 
Greatness is not an appeal. Greatness is not, it's not in, a, in, in, a, in a protein pack to make you more muscular. No, greatness comes from God. And if God makes you great, it doesn't matter what anybody else says about it. 1 Samuel 16 says, The Lord said unto Samuel, Don't look on his countenance. Don't look on the height of his stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as a man seeth. The Lord looketh not on the out, for man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. Listen, I want to tell you for our families, for our church, for this local congregation, we're not, we're not going to find direction. We are not going to set our course by sticking our finger into the wind and seeing what this community says about us. No, we're, we're, we're not. You say, well, I don't, I don't know if, uh, well, we got to be careful that pride doesn't enter our hearts. God, God, I thank God for what we have here today. But this is not about impressing someone. No, the Lord looks on our hearts. <laughs> I get real nervous when people say we got the best of this or the best of that or oh you need to hear our choir you need to hear you know what I get real nervous when I hear that stuff we are who we are because of the blood of Jesus Christ Oh yes we we are nothing but sinners saved by the grace of a merciful savior Somebody say amen Paul probably knew more about the Lord than any of us will ever know. But in Philippians 3 and 10, you hear the cry of his heart that I may know him. The power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering being made conformable unto his death. I'm not interested in the status quo. I'm not interested in having a church where all the bills are paid and everybody knows everybody. I want to see the baptistry waters troubled. I want to see the altars filled with people seeking the Holy Ghost. Amen. And you know what else? I want a church full of people that knows what it takes. That they don't have to have a Bible study with the pastor or the ministry staff. There are saints of God that can say to somebody, you need to be born again of the water and of the Spirit. And here's how it happens. I want to tell you, if your wife was about to give birth on the highway and you were driving to the hospital 100 miles an hour, you'd say, boy, I'm trying to get to the doctor. But if she says it's too late, <laughs> you'd pull over and you'd do everything you could do to get that baby into the world. Can I get a witness? Hey, man, there are sometimes it doesn't matter who's there or not there. There's a baby trying to be born, and I want to bring it into the kingdom. I'm not concerned about fitting in with the religious culture of this world. No, I'm going to say that again. I'm not interested in fitting in with the religious culture of this world. And there is one. And there is one. Amen. Somebody say amen. I want to follow the Lord. When material needs become the basic concern, you might be getting lukewarm. What do we really need? Well, I wrote it down. We really need food. And then I wrote down a roof over our heads. And then all of a sudden the Holy Spirit uh, just, just kind of punched, just, well, just tweaked me just a little bit. He said, do you really need a roof over your head? <laughs> a roof? Does it have to be a roof? Oh, yeah, everybody has to have a house. That's the way good old Americans feel anyway, isn't it? Yeah, I wonder what I really need. 
Too many people pursue after material things, and that might be a sign. It, it doesn't mean material things don't matter. It means what takes precedent. Hey, you know you may be uh, growing lukewarm when rights are more important than responsibilities. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. The word Laodicea means people's rights. It actually means, the term means judgment of the people. That means instead of submitting themselves to the word of God, they were guilty of submitting the word of God to their judgment. Instead of submitting to God's word judging them, they judged God's word according to themselves. They imagined that they were the final say. It's my right to this. Revelation 3 and 17 says, Because thou sayest, I'm rich and increased with goods, and I have need of nothing. But God said, I know thy works. I know thy works. I want Sister Sherry to hurry to the keyboard. I'm hurrying to a close. I want to say today, lukewarmness is a serious sin. No, I'm going to say it again. Lukewarmness is a serious sin. So I'm not sure, you know, I, I know, preacher, you just, I know you want to motivate me. Hey, Jesus said to the Laodiceans, because you're lukewarm, I will spew you out of my mouth. Lukewarmness is more dangerous than being frozen or on fire. But because you are lukewarm, lukewarmness is a serious sin. Lukewarmness is a contagious sin. <laughs> I remember sitting uh, in the church where I was raised. I, it was a shock to my system how one little sister in the back could jump up. You know, she got a gray knot on the back of her head. She don't let go of her purse for anybody. <laughs> She's holding her purse and she gets to... And I watched where that little old praise coming out of that feeble elder's mouth. I watched it spread across the congregation. People start worshiping. There were some people in the church, Brother Jim, that I thought if God was within a hundred miles of here, they're going to know it. They were that spiritual that when brother or sister so-and-so started worshiping or started crying or started talking in tongues, you better, you, it's, it's time to pay attention. Well, there she was back there worshiping and, and all of a sudden the church started worshiping and all of a sudden, you know, for that to happen, it takes more than somebody just looking at them. Oh, look, she's getting a blessing. Well, isn't that good? Well, we'll just sit here till she gets done. No, there were people started getting blessed because she was getting blessed. And I watched it spread across the congregation. And people, I, I watched services where just somebody started weeping before the Lord and, and experiencing God. Nobody preached, nobody else sang. The service was over. People got healed. People got the Holy Spirit. People got baptized. All because somebody was sensitive. That has the power to spread in a congregation. I'm praying it spread in this church. Somebody say amen. They say if you put instruments, stringed instruments, all tuned perfectly in pitch, 
you go and pluck one string on one of those stringed instruments and all the other instruments, you don't have to hit every string or every instrument, but if you pluck one string, all the other instruments that are in perfect tune, they start, those strings start vibrating because sound is vibration. And they say, if you listen very closely, all those instruments will begin sounding. You plucked one string and those other instruments start vibrating. Well, that's kind of the way it is in the spirit. When God begins to move, it doesn't take him moving on all of us. But when God moves on somebody, everybody that's in tune starts, oh. They start feeling it. They, they say, oh, oh, I knew God was here. There's a sign of it. I see it right there. I hear it. I hear the vibration of the spirit. Oh, God, give us a church full of people that are sensitive and say, Lord, I know you're here somewhere today. I know you're about to move on somebody today. Oh, clap your hands under the Lord. I'm gonna, I'm gonna cut to the chase. There's some instructions for those that are lukewarm. The Lord said to the church at Laodicea, I love you. So because I love you, I'm going to say this to you. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. There's a call to those that are comfortable to repent. 1 John 1, 9 says, If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us. 2 Corinthians, 2 Chronicles 7, 14, If my people which are what? Called by my name, shall what? Humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven, forgive their sin, and heal their land. And now my ears will attend to the prayer that's made in this place. I want God to hear our prayers. Lord, we're going after you with all of our heart. He called them back to values. He called them back to values. He said, I counsel you to buy of me gold. I counsel you to take from me white raiment. You don't have any righteousness of yourself. You have to come to Jesus and say, Lord, I want what, what you have. I want your gold. I want your righteousness. He called us back to value. He called us back to virtue. He said, you're naked and you don't even know it. He called us back to living lives of virtue. He called us back to vision. He said, anoint your eyes with medication so that you may see. Open your eyes. We've seen what the Lord said to Laodicea. But the real shame is found in Revelation 3, verse 20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Somebody say amen. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to him. And I will sup with him and he with me. The verse says Jesus is outside. That's the way many churches have church on Sunday. I want Jesus on the inside. That's the way many people live. Jesus is found always in another location. I want Jesus on the inside of my heart. I want to take him when I leave this service today. When I stand by the grave of my loved one, I want to know he's not still at church. 
He's right here with me. Yeah. He's not outside the door knocking. He's right here with me. The problem is, the more he calls and we refuse to listen, we are susceptible to growing lukewarm. He says, I'm knocking. He says, I'm reaching. I'm calling. Somebody say amen. Now, in these verses, I close with this. Lukewarmness is not acceptable. He says, I would that you were either hot or cold. Right? If coldness is preferable to lukewarmness, then it must be a great sin to be comfortable in my spiritual walk. If the Lord says, I would you were hot or cold, just don't be lukewarm. And then he says, he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church. Think about this for a moment now. For something to remain hot, for something to remain hot, it must stay connected to a heat source. Yeah. You see, even that boiling water, when you turn the heat off, In just a matter of time, it assumes the temperature of the atmosphere it's in. (laughs) What are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying I want to tell you something today. That if you don't keep the fire in your life, you'll come to room temperature pretty quick. Oh, oh, yeah. There are people in this room that lose their victory from Sunday morning by Wednesday. They, 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 they're in the battle and they don't know if they can even make it. I'm telling you, if you don't keep the fire burning, it's just a matter of moments before you assume the temperature of the environment that you are in. I don't know if you've noticed it or not, but this world is not hot. (laughs) No, in fact, if something is going to remain frozen, you got to keep it in the frozen environment. And the Lord said, I'd rather you stay on the fire or stay in the freezer. Than just come to room temperature. See, to come to room temperature, you don't have to do anything. The hot and the cold will both come to the same temperature eventually. If nothing is done, if their environment continues to influence, the hot and the cold, if left alone, will both assume the same temperature. I'm here to tell you today, if you're going to be faithful to God, if you're going to make it all the way to the end, you can't turn the fire off in your life. You can't quit praying. You can't keep quit following God. You've got to feast on His Word. Don't somebody clap your hands unto the Lord today. A few, a few things about this today. They say water molecules move faster when they're hot than when they're cold. You you can see this. There's experiments that you can that you can do. You know, you get ice cold water and you drop a a drop of food coloring in it. 
Amazingly, it goes right straight to the bottom and it lays there. But you get that water almost boiling and you drop that same drop of food coloring in it and that food coloring scatters and that whole jar of water becomes the color of what you put in it. See, this is why when the preacher gets up and he starts dropping the Word of God in your heart. (laughs) Come on, if you're lukewarm or you're cold, there is no integration into your life. It just goes to the bottom and before you know it, it's not there anymore. But if you're on fire... (laughs) And the word is dropped into your spirit. It goes all the way through you. I need that in my life. I don't want to categorize what God can say to me in the moment I need him. You know what else I found out? I found out that when water starts cooling down before it can freeze. You can can Google it. You can see it for yourself. There's a point. When water gets so cold, it's not frozen yet. It's not, it's not frozen. But there's a point right before it freezes. And it stays at the same temperature for a long time. The temperature's dropped very quickly over time. But right before it freezes, it levels out. It doesn't quite freeze yet. And it stays there. A multiplied times other than the time it took it to get cold. But when it gets just, just above freezing, it levels out. And there's a time where it just, over time, it just stays the same temperature. But then, before you know it, it drops into frozenness. Maybe that's the grace of God in our spiritual lives that we grow colder and colder. And just before we freeze to death, it's just like, God, there's just a leveling, okay, I'm just, it, I'm not, you're not going to go over the edge. And I thank God for the grace of God in our lives, that, that we feel our spirit getting colder and colder. And, and there's, this, there's this time frame where He can be found, that I want to reach for Him. I want to be on fire. I want to stay connected to the fire. This is why every day I need to spend time with God, not just on Sunday. Our families need that. Our church need that every day. It's not enough just to be put back on the fire on Sunday and Wednesday. <laughs> Last night I ate some good gumbo. And you turn that gumbo off in just a matter of hours, it goes to room temperature. And if I leave it there... <laughs> There's nothing more dangerous to food than to let it come to room temperature and sit there. You either put it in the fire or you put it in the ice box. Ice box, that's an old southern name for refrigerator. (laughs) Remember they called them ice boxes? I'm showing my age. It gets dangerous if it comes to room temperature. I don't want my spirit to get to room temperature. I want to go after God with all my heart. And there are two ways that we stay on fire or we stay hot. And I close with these two. One we find in the book of Jeremiah, chapter 20, verse 9. Jeremiah said, Then I said, I'm going to quit talking about him. I'm not going to say anything about him anymore. He had already prophesied to Israel and they weren't listening. And the old preacher Jeremiah said, You know what? I'm closing the book. I'm not saying it anymore. They've heard it enough. 
I declared that I would not make mention of him nor speak any more of his name. I wouldn't say anything else about him. And when I did, his word was in my heart like a burning fire shut up in my bones. I decided I wasn't going to open my mouth, but his word was like a fire in my spirit. Listen, if you devalue the word of God, you're turning the fire out. If you don't read your Bible, you're turning the fire out. If you don't come and hear the preaching of the word, you're turning the fire out. Jeremiah said his word was like a fire shut up in my bones. Now listen to this, listen. And he says, I was weary with forbearing and I could not stay. That's KJV language. We don't even know what it means. Sounds good. Sounds real religious. But do you know what Jeremiah is saying? He said his word was in my heart a burning fire. And then he says, I was weary with forbearing, I could not stay. That statement means I was worn out trying to hold it in. I couldn't do it. I want to tell you, when you come to church and God touches you and you feel spiritual revival, it's a dangerous thing to close that down. Some of you are not weary because you have to go to work and you got family problems. You're weary because the fire's been put in you and you've shut it. Oh, my God. He said, I got weary because I shut the fire. I want to tell you, there ain't nothing more dangerous than trying to shut that fire down and trying to hold it in. This is why I come to church and I worship. This is why I come to church and I pray. This is the place to do that. I can do it other places, but I will not forbear in this moment. Oh, come on, clap your hands unto the Lord. His word is a fire. Hey, hey, teenager, before you go to your parents and say, well, I don't know if there's anything wrong with this. Hey, check the fire. Put it in the fire. See if it'll burn up there. If it lasts through the fire, then you got something valuable. I come to Luke 3.16. They said, John, who are you? Are you the, one, are you the Messiah? John's, John answered, saying unto them all, Hey, I baptize you with water, but one mightier than I is coming. We know who that was, and we know who that is. That's Jesus Christ. He said, there's one coming behind me. I baptize you with water, but there's one coming after me whose shoes I can't even lace up. I'm not worthy to even touch his shoes, but he will baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Oh, I, don't, I don't understand why people say, oh, you don't have to have the Holy Ghost. Well, if, if the Holy Ghost is the fire, then I need the Holy Ghost. No, I'm going to say that again. If His Word is the fire, then I need His Word. And if His Spirit is the fire, then I need to stay prayed through. I need to pray through to the Holy Ghost. I need a fresh anointing of His Spirit. It blows my mind how many people that say they love God and want to go to heaven don't want His Spirit. That's the thing that keeps me on fire. And I want to say to you today that if it hadn't been for His Word and His Spirit, I wouldn't be standing here today. 
And if we're not careful, we look in the wrong places for the fire of our lives. His word is like fire. His spirit is like fire. Lord, set us on fire today. Help us to love your word and seek after your spirit. Somebody say amen. I want you to stand right now and I want you just to reach over as families. I know a lot of you beside your, uh, your spouse and that's a good thing. Some of you may be a long way from your kids, but I want you to pray for them right now. Amen. If you're standing beside somebody, it's appropriate. Just put your hand over on their shoulder and I want you to pray for them right now, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Lord, I worship you today, God. We're a church family. We don't want to grow cold or lukewarm, God. We don't want to be like the other nations of this world. We don't want to be like the other religious cultures of this world. We could care less what everybody else may be doing, God. We're, we're hungry for you. We're thirsty for you. We want you to visit us, God. We want you to visit us individually. We want you to touch our families. We, we don't want our children lost. We want our young people on fire, God. We want our elders to be on fire, God. Lord, we need the heat turned up, God, so that we can be what you want us to be. Come on. Lord, we need you today. Lord, we need you today. Lord, we need you today. Hallelujah. Come on, I'm going to open these altars for every family that's here today. It's family month. And I think it's appropriate that we come as families from time to time. So if, you're, if you've got your family here today, maybe grandchildren, uh, children, I just want you to slip up here. And let's pray as families today that God would help us stay on fire. That God, and if you're a guest here today, uh, maybe you just want to be adopted into somebody's family. Or come and represent your family if you're by yourself today would you come and say Lord I want you to I want you to keep me burning for you Lord I want you to keep me on fire God don't let the fire go out in my life don't let the candle of the Lord be extinguished in my life Lord I don't want to grow cold Lord I don't want to grow cold Lord I don't want to get comfortable God you brought me out of darkness into marvelous light I thank you for what you've done in my life, Lord. But today I'm asking you, Lord, let your word be like a fire in my soul. Let your spirit be like fire in my heart, oh God. Keep me prayed up, Lord. Help me to stay full of the Holy Ghost. Help me to love your word above all things, Lord.